church and somebody says something to you and you're not quite sure whether it's affirmation or not. I had one of those this morning. Only it was from my wife. Heather said to me, do not wear that, that, that suit jacket and that black shirt together. It makes you look like a minister. <laughs> I've only been trying to do that for 20 years. <laughs> anyway, uh, we'll, we'll find on. Yes, we'll take a vote later on to see whether he, he, he is ministerial or not. Um, Psalm 138 and verse 2 says, For you have exalted, this is King David talking to the Lord and declaring that the Lord says, For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. So what is the Lord exalted above all things? So what you're supposed to be standing so you hear the, so you're kind of still wide awake. Like, so what is God exalted above all things? His his name and his word. We are thinking about the names of the Lord. And last week we, were, we, we, we began this little journey which has morphed into a two-week extravaganza of the Lord as our banner. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord as our banner. And we read in um, Exodus chapter 17 and from verse 8 that, um, that Moses was in a situation, the children of Israel was in a situation where they needed God to rescue them. Ever been in need of a rescue? Yeah, how about this week? Have you found yourself in a place of needing rescue or in a place of a battle? There was an enemy that was wanting to rob and wanting to stalk and wanting to destroy the, the nation of Israel. But at that time, Moses had to do something a little bit different, a little bit out of the norm, a little bit, one of those moments where Everything within you would probably be saying, do this. But God said, do that. Yeah? You been there? Been there where, where, where you think, you know, all that I know, all that I've been trained, that, you know, the manual should say, I should be doing A, B, and C. And God is wanting you to do D, E, and F. Or even an R and a P and a Y. <laughs> that he wants you to be. Be, be pulling things from, from different ways, where, where God's ways aren't our ways. And we read in, in Exodus 17 and in verse 8 that the, the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men to go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered and Moses, Aaron, and Hur, they went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and they put it under him and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with his sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it because I will completely blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and he called it, the Lord is my banner. He said, for hands were lifted up to the throne of the Lord the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. We're thinking about what it is to have this, this standard, this banner 
that was raised. And we said that the, the, the standard or the banner, it represented the king, it represented authority, it represented position. It was someone and something that in the middle of the battlefield that the, the army would be able to gain strength from. That where the banner was, where the standard word was, they knew what the king was. It also made them a bit of a target because where the banner was, the king was, and the enemy would want to get to that place. It was something to be protected, something to be known, something to be seen. Who was right? It was something to be raised up. Now, it's the Lord's banner, but this morning we'll, 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 we'll have a known banner because that was what was about me you know, in, in the back. That was what it was about. We've had this for a few years now. Sometimes it goes out the front when it's not too windy a day, but most days are windy. But there was a banner that was to be raised up. There was to be a moment in the battlefield saying, here's where the king is. Here's where the captain is. You know, I have a reference point on the journey and a reference point in the battle that says, I know where my captain is. I know where my lion's mate is. I know the place that I have to go and the place that I am to be in. We're thinking about what it is to have his name and his word raised up in our life. Now, obviously, the banner that we want to raise is the Lord Jesus. Yeah? The banner that we want to raise over our life is the Lord Jesus. But we want to know Jehovah Nisi in our life, in our situations, in our opposition, in our battles that we maybe face. I'm going to throw this over here just, just now because we, we raise up the banner in the battle but on top of the hill. And we did it last week. Moses took his staff. He took this rod and he took it up the hill for a reason and for a purpose, not just to help him get up to higher ground. Because remember, one of the things that we said last week is that if you want to get beyond, you've got to get above. Yeah? You must get beyond. If you're going to get beyond, you have to get, get above. You know, when we, when this moment of trouble, this moment of difficulty, and Moses goes up the hill, and, and it's called, the altar that he builds is Jehovah Nisi. The place of worship, the place of remembrance is Jehovah Nisi, but it doesn't talk about because Joshua was in the valley with his sword or with his sling or with his bow or with his arrow. What it says is because he lifted up hands to the Lord. It's his banner that was lifted up in that moment, we began to just recognize last week, because in, in the early part of, of Exodus chapter um, 17, we, we, we read that the people of Israel had been complaining. They'd been moaning. They'd actually been thinking, do we take Moses out of this picture? They were not happy. They'd come out of slavery. They'd had to face the, the, the opposition of Pharaoh, who decided, I want them back as slaves. They'd crossed the Red Sea. They've, they've come to this uh, place of being thirsty in this wilderness of being, of being thirsty. And, and they actually got to the point of saying, we're going to stone Moses. We're going to take him out. We're going to uh, kill him just so we can show him that we're not happy about how things are and about what has gone on. God does another miracle. He supplies water from the rock. And then they begin to go along. But in that moment, just before we go, they say, the, the, the thing that, the, that Moses remembers from there is that the people were saying, is God with us? In a time of difficulty, is God with us? But he had this, this internal 
problem and hassle going on within the nation of Israel. Then all of a sudden, there's this cloud in the horizon, and there's some camels, or some, some donkeys, or some horses, or some opposition. There's the Amalekite army who's coming with one goal in mind, and it is to kill and to destroy the people of Israel. It is to stop them from moving on, because they are in process. They're on a journey. They've not got to the promised land yet. They've not fulfilled the inheritance that God has said is for them. And who knows that if we're going to move on in life and move on in faith, then there are some enemies that have to be defeated. That God comes in a time where we feel weak and God comes in a time where we feel actually living with unbelief and with weak faith of of almost kind of saying, I'm not really sure if, if God's for us. These guys were going into, into, into battle, faith bolstered, but still not 100% sure. Most folks go into battle at, at, at times when, when they don't feel that they're on their game. Where they don't feel just quite as strong as they might be. Where they need to trust the Lord. But in trusting the Lord, a greater victory comes. Why? Because we know it's God. We know that it can't be us. We know that it has to be him. Because he's greater than, he's bigger than, he's stronger than. Hands lifted up to the throne of the Lord. The solution that that, that Moses had in in that moment was that he would raise up the rod, the the staff. It was a symbol of his calling. We were thinking about last week of Exodus chapter 3 where when he was called in the wilderness and and he had run away from his past life. He'd run away from his problems. He'd run away from his crime that he'd committed and run away from the status and all of his life and the trappings that he'd had. And in the backside of the desert where he's looking after sheep, this man who had been a son of Pharaoh with status, responsibility, power and profile, and he had lost it all. And he's an 80-year-old man now. He's looking after sheep in the backside of the desert. All of a sudden, God calls him and speaks to him out of a bush that's on fire. In that moment, he comes over. And he has this conversation with God as he as he calls him back into his purposes. He calls him and says, you know, you may have written yourself off, but I want to write you into your future. I want to write you in, not as a, a write-off, but as a leader. Not as somebody who's just going to come and be part of the crowd, but as one who has leadership responsibilities over your people and over your nation. But you're going to have to go in faith. You're for them and so it's Moses. And Moses, how am I going to know you're with him? God says, throw the staff in the ground, it becomes a snake. Pick it up in the tail, and all of a sudden it becomes his staff again. He, the staff was used as a symbol of miracles and authority. It comes in Exodus chapter 7. The, the Nile became like blood. Um, when, in Exodus 17, we see water from the rock. That the, 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 the rod beca- begins to become a symbol of deliverance. It is rod that, that Moses stretches out over the Red Sea. So the, the, the pathway comes, the dry land for the children of Israel to walk over, um, that millions strong people walking over that, that, that dry land of the sea so that they could get into um, the land and on the journey that God was promising and be free from slavery. It's a symbol of surrender. Because in Exodus chapter 17 and verse 9, and we could gloss over it so easily as we just you know understand it's no longer Moses' staff as Moses goes up to the top of the hill. I'm going to take the staff down to God. Top of the hill. This was his staff. 
but all of a sudden it was no longer his staff. What had happened? He'd given it over. He'd given it over. The staff that had been his testimony or his his launch pad into the things of God then became his testimony, but actually as an act of worship was offered back to God. So I didn't want this to be known as Moses' staff. I want this to be known as the staff of God. It was something that was to be held there. If you like, in the moment of calling, the staff was involved in consecration in that, that first moment where he moved into mission. In miracles, the staff symbolized the power and the authority of God. Um, in those moments of deliverance, the staff symbolized freedom with purpose in God. But in those moments of surrender, it's the staff of God. It's no longer mine, it's intercession and it's worship. It's like Paul says in the New Testament, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. His life has been offered up as a sacrifice, I wonder. Has your life been given as a sacrifice to the Lord? A living sacrifice. Dead, yet alive in Christ. Is all that you've got and all that you are and all that you can be like the staff of God. It's your possession. It's the thing that's yours and the thing that's been with you along the journey. But actually it's no longer yours because you've given it to God. You said, here's my life. Here's my all. Here's my stuff. Here's my potential. Here's my talents. Here's my possibility. But God, in the face of the enemy, I give it back to you. In the face of difficulty, I give it back to you. When there's something, someone that stands between me and where I believe that you're calling me to get to and calling me to go where you're leading me to, I give it back to you. And I say, God, in that moment, I lift it up to you. Saying, God, you've been with me in my past. God, I'm going to believe that you're with me in my present so that I can move on in my future and my destiny with you. He's got the staff of God and he holds it up. And I don't know if Moses worked out. I don't know if he kind of, you know, he kind of bench pressed or did anything like that. But yeah, there comes a wee point where fatigue begins to kick in. And a staff that was up here begins to just drop down. And the, the weirdest thing's happening. When Moses' hands are extended, when the staff, when the rod of God is up high, then all of a sudden the battle is going in the way of Egypt. I'm sorry, in the way of Israel. But when the, the, Moses' arms begin to droop, the battle begins to go in the way of the Amalekites. Moses has got a problem. Because he's not Superman, he's not got it all. You know, his, his the gun show is beginning to become more of a water pistol than, a, than the gun show, isn't it? He needs some help. And those that are there with him, Aaron and her, they find a stone. Cast it down. A couple of moments ago, there were people who were looking for stones of another purpose. Destroy those that all of a sudden there's those who come alongside and say, You're going to find a stone to help build the leader, to encourage the leader, support the leader, to enable the leader to fulfill what God has called him to because he needs to be in that place so that we down in the in the valley, the, the soldiers in the valley, they can fight and win the victory. Because if they don't win the victory, then all of us, well, you, Dan, Dad, Pops, Dad, Barney, Mr. Fraser, Mr. Fraser, Mr. Fraser. 
mass heap of things. And these guys, rather than saying, look at the state of him, thought he was a leader. Knew he was out on him. Then we hit out the rock. And they were like, well, maybe, yeah, God's with him. But now, nah, actually, maybe he's not. You know, opinion wavering between, you know, like the tides coming in and coming out. And all of a sudden, they're in that place where, like, do you know what? We're going to support him. We're going to be an encouragement. We're going to come. We're going to find a stone. And we're going to find a way to lift up his arms. He still had the responsibility, but his arms were lifted up. I want to encourage you, anybody who is a leader in this church. You will get tired, but look for those around about you who will lift up your arms. Who will be a blessing. Who will help you. You know, it's, it's, it's not the first time that leaders have a problem with restraint. If you turn to, to 1 Samuel chapter 30. And this time it's King David. But it's still the same problem. It's still the same Amalekites. Oh, it's not turned past me. What does that mean? <laughs> Shall we put it there? <laughs> nah, I'll keep reading. <laughs> Might not fall down or I'll fall down with it. Um, 1, 1 Samuel 30. David and his men reached Ziklag. On the third day, now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They'd attacked Ziklag and they had burned it. They'd taken captive the women and all who were in it, both young and old. They carried none of they, they killed none of them, but carried them off as they went in their way. When David and his men came to Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives, sons, and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to left to weep. David's two wives had been captured, Anom of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him, because each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, um, bring me the ephod. Abiathar brought it to him. And David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. Here is a man who is having a bad day. In fact, he's having the mother of all bad days. He's having the bad day to end all bad days. It's bad day again for King David. He comes to where his citadel, his safe place should be, and the enemies got there ahead of him. They've burned the city. And they've taken everybody prisoner. Prisoners of war. And funnily enough, those that are with him are not too happy. They're not too pleased. In a moment against the same enemy, different tribe, different time, different centuries, but the same enemy who wants to rob, wreck, steal, and destroy. Does that sound familiar to anyone? And Jesus said in John chapter 10, didn't he? The enemies come to seek, kill, and destroy, but I've come so you may have life and have it more abundantly. And who knows to overcome the enemy, there might be that battle that needs to fight. And obviously, and sometimes the battle looks as though it's going the wrong way, which is not your way, you know, and in moments like that, it takes an even greater moment for God to do the things that he can only do. But in those moments, we either continue to trust God 
are we caving? We crumple. We're overrun. We're defeated. David has got an enemy who's robbed. He's got friends that, that, that are not happy. And in that moment, he strengthens himself in God. Now, verse 6 says, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning with him. Either in those moments we provide a way for the banner to be raised or for the bit of action to be lifted. You know, it says he wept with bitter tears. For bitter actions to wreck those who might actually be the one who carry God's future. In that moment, there is a heart attitude that is not a godly heart attitude. In that moment, there is pain, sorrow, anger, confusion, hurt that the enemy just wants to exploit. In moments of challenge, in moments of where it looks as though the enemy has won a victory, we need to watch how we're able to steward our spirit. We need to watch what we allow to find a resting place in our life. Now here's the truth. We may need to weep and it's okay to weep. But David wept and then he wept. He wept till he had no more tears to cry. He said, God, this is rubbish. God, this sucks. God, this is terrible. God, what am I going to do? But he came to a point where he was empty of all of himself and empty of all of his strength. And then he went and he inquired of God and he said, God, what about it? Do you have a solution? Do you have a strategy? Because right now I don't and, I, and, and I'm not really up for their strategy and solution, which involves me getting it. He wept and he wept. When things go, go wrong, do not stop and do not stop in the things of God. Allow those moments to become moments where you come closer to the Lord. Do not get derailed by disappointment. Keep trusting God. Pursue the enemy. Verse 6 in the Amplified Bible says, He didn't just find strength in the Lord as God. The Amplified Bible said, David encouraged and strengthened himself in the Lord. Don't look for it from the outside necessarily. You know, look for it in the inside. Who, what do you know about God? What do you know about God's ways? What do you know about God's promises? What do you know about God's faithfulness in your backstory? And begin to, to strengthen yourself in God. I'm going to remember that God says above all things, he's exalted his name in his word. I'm going to remember above all things that I can run to him. Because he is my strength, he is my fortress, he is my safety. I'm going to remember that the Lord says, I will be with you always. Uh, you know, even to the very ends of the earth, he's going to be my shelter. I'm going to remember always that as Paul says, nothing can separate me from the love of God that is ours in Christ Jesus. I'm going to bring in to strengthen myself in God. When you feel weak, then you can know his strength. His grace is given to you. If you're feeling weak this morning, if you're feeling all those around about you have turned against you, I want to encourage you, be strong. 
encourage yourself. Don't even look now. The blessing and the bonus is somebody who comes up alongside you, gives a wee nudge and says, God thinks you're all right. Keep going, don't give up. But the primary person to encourage encourage you in the things of God is you. I don't think King David necessarily would have had a mirror as such. Maybe get somebody to polish a shield really, really well so you can maybe see something of his face. You know, for you and I, we maybe need to look ourselves square in the eye in the mirror and remind ourselves that we're a man or we're a woman of God. Some of us maybe need to remind ourselves, God has used me in the past. He will use me in my future. Some of us need to remind ourselves that the reality of the situation is, God, I do not know where you are, but I know that you are with me. I know that you are for me. And in that moment, I think resolve and rejoicing come. Rejoicing who God is and a resolve that says, God, I'm going to hear what you want to say. I'm going to come with a question. I'm going to look for your answer of how you want to deal with this situation. Not how I want to deal with it, but how you want to deal with those situations. In those kind of moments, do we really believe that God is who he has said that he is, who we read that he is, but in the reality of our world, in the reality maybe of our war zone, in the reality of of people and of possessions and things that we thought were, were close to and ours, where it looks as though they've been robbed and taken away from us, will we continue to trust God? It's a key question, isn't it? And David went from having no strength left to weak to having found strength. No strength left to weak. He's put all his energy in pouring out his heart. Saying, God, this is rubbish. God, this is terrible. God, I've got nowhere left to run. No strength. Finding enough strength to say, we need to get the papers. We need to get our books together. We need to get together. We're going to inquire of the Lord because he wants us to go. What's he going to do in those moments? It's time to find strength. Time to find strength in God. He inquired of the Lord. God's opinion counts. God's opinion is available to you and for you. God's opinion is to be understood and God's opinion is to be acted on. God's got a strategy. God's got strength and God's got the spirit. His resources that he lacks. The download comes that David still had to go. The moment of revelation comes to saying, God saying, yep, I'm going to go. I'm going to, you know, you can pursue them and overtake them. But David still had to go and say to the guys, right, guys, we're going to go. We're going to get our folk back. There's still the attitude. There's still the, the action that had to, to be there. And it's, it's the moving from the theory into the reality in that moment. Here's what God says. Here God says, I'll empower you. That it's the Holy Spirit's propulsion that almost kind of sends us out. It's like Linda was talking about when it comes to mission and being, you know, on the turn. It's all, I need to share with that person. I need to share my faith. I need to stand up for God in, in that moment. And it's like, we know what we should do. But we'll be there. The nudge of the Holy Spirit says, go and pray for that person. Pray for that situation. You know, go and de- declare God's goodness over that person's life and over that person's circumstance. And we're like, ah, and send somebody else up. Send you. Strategy, strength, and then the spirit to go. Jehovah Nisi, 
go back to, to Exodus chapter 15, we leave King David in. Oh, and by the way, it, it does say that uh, in there, I get some glasses on now, I can actually see. <laughs> they do pursue the Amalekites. And in verse 18, David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, including his wives. Nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl, plunder or anything else they had taken. David brought everything back. He took all the flocks and the herds and his men, drove them ahead and the other livestock, saying, this is David's plunder. Nothing was missing. God restored. You know that God's good at restoring? Yeah, Joel says he'll restore the years the locust has eaten. Might have got me an egg. Because it then goes on in Joel to then talk about, you know, he, he'll pour out his spirit in all flesh. Not all flesh, flesh but flesh. A bit of Sean Connery there, thank you. Yes, we're going to move into a time of blessing. <laughs> Make money, Penny. Right, Jehovah Nisi. Um, Moses on top of the hill, the battle's going on down, down in the valley. And he begins, to, he begins to, to hold up his hands. He begins to hold up the staff of God. He begins to intercede. He begins to call down. He's now sat on a stone. He's got guys either sides of him who's just supporting him in this moment. And then the battle is won. He raises up. He builds an altar. He says, this is something that's to be remembered, something that's to be written down, something that's to be celebrated. Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is my banner. And Jehovah Nisi became a rallying point. That place, like the standard, that flag that would be that would be raised up. You know, Moses' rod was there in the moment, but for the future generations, that altar, that place of Jehovah Nisi became a little bit of a flag, a mark in the ground that says, here we stand, here we remember a moment in God. When you feel under attack, there is a place that you can go to that speaks of past victory, that speak of past breakthrough. It's your rallying point. It's a place where you can strengthen yourself in God. Jehovah Nisi is a reliance point. It's a place where you say, Lord, I'm going to rely on you. I'm going to rely on your ways. I'm going to rely on your word. I'm going to rely on your strategies because mine ain't looking so good right now. I'm going to rely upon you, Lord. The name of the Lord's a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they will be saved. When the enemy's on my horizon, the best, the safest place to be is at the battle. It was to be a reminder that established rejoicing and remembering the altar that would become something of a launch pad to enable people to trust God in their present, that they would begin to move into their future even in the face of some opposition. It's a place where they could say, do it again, Lord. You've done it before. We know that you're unchanging, so come on, Lord, let's see you. It's a place of, and I would want to ask, where are your Nisi moments? Where are your moments of Jehovah Nisi that right now you can point in your life to places where there was an overwhelming enemy, where there was an opposition that was out to get you, but where there was a God who was stronger than. At a time where you, were, where you were in difficulty and God rescued you. A time where you faced challenge and God came through for you. Where are your Jehovah Nisi moments that you can say, I know and I know and I know the reality of God. 
I know that he is good. Even when right around about me, I feel as though that, that there's not much good going on. Where are those moments when I know that he comes to bring life and liberty and joy and freedom and forgiveness, when all this that's on my horizon seems to be death, destruction, or slavery at times? It's a reliance, a resource, a rallying point, a reminder that establish rejoicing. I want to say there's another place that speaks, I'm going to put these down, right? There's another place that speaks of the banner and of the blessing of the Lord. If you flick in your Bibles to Isaiah, if you flick through in your, in your Bible to Isaiah chapter uh, 11, Isaiah chapter 11, we're going to read a number of verses, verse 1 to verse 10 there. In Isaiah chapter 11, it says this, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, from its roots a branch will bear fruit, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. He will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash round his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goats, the calf and the lion and the yearling together and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together. The lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra and the young child put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on, my, on, my, on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him and his place of rest will be glorious. I'm going to stop it there. We can continue to, to read on to see what that banner will, will, will look like. But there is a moment where Isaiah looks with, down the corridors of time with a prophetic insight. And he begins to speak about a future anointed Holy Spirit empowered leader that is talking about the Savior, the anointed one is the Christ, the Messiah. He's talking about Jesus, writing hundreds of years before Jesus. And he says that the roots of the stump of Jesse will be like a banner to the nations, a rallying point to the nations. I want to encourage you this morning. No, we're not just lifting up the flag of Gordon or the flag of Edinburgh, Elam, or even the flag of Elam, as great as that is, as a, as a movement that loves and honors Jesus and the Holy Spirit. We're lifting up the banner that is the Lord Jesus Christ. We're lifting up the one who, who it says that the spirit of the Lord rests on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will delight in the fear of the Lord. There's traces of what G excuse me, Jesus says when he quotes Isaiah, um, I think 61 on Luke chapter four, where he begins to bring his mission and his mandate, where he says the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. So he's anointed to preach good news to the poor. Recovery of sight to the blind, even to the captives. 
prisoner of sin come and meet you. In need of a rod to whip you. This speaks of the calling and the mission and the Holy Spirit's empowerment for mission in, in the middle of it all, where he raises up the banner that is the Lord Jesus Christ to rally and point to the nations. That all who come to him will be saved, will be rescued, can be forgiven, can be welcomed into the family of God. That those from different nations, but I tell you, if you're here in this room today, it's for you as well. The banner of the Lord, Jesus, the rallying point, the one that you can, you can look to. It's not just a rallying point and a flag. There's another piece of wood, a rod that was seen on our rod, but it's a, a cross. Jesus was lifted up from the earth. And Jesus said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. He's speaking about it, but he wasn't just there. He's on, he, he was hanging from a cross, nailed to a cross, executed on a cross, but death did not hold him. His blood was shed on that cross so that we might be forgiven our sins and welcomed into the family of God. It's there as he's lifted up that he cries out those words, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It's there as he's on that cross, wounded, bleeding, dying, his life ebbing for him, taking upon himself the sin of the world that he cries out those words, it is finished. Meaning that the transaction has been done. He uses a term that would have been used in the marketplaces of Israel declaring a deal had been struck, that the price had been paid, that the requirements had been met. And he wasn't just talking about a business transaction. He's talking about a sin transaction. He's talking about his blood being shed so that every sin that you and I, every person in history and humanity who'd ever committed every wrong word, wrong thought, wrong action, wrong behavior, anything that could be wrong that would keep us from God might be forgiven. I tell you, that's a banner that I want to meet under. I tell you, that's a rallying point that I want to go to. I tell you, that's a place where I want to begin to rejoice and celebrate because look what he has done for me in my past. Look what he's doing in my present. Look what he will do therefore in my future. And just in case you've not got it, in Hebrews it says of Jesus, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. You need to have confidence in your Jesus. Have confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. One more scripture, if you'd permit me, just to, to really, to my point, seal the deal to remind you what it is, Jesus, this, this banner that would, be, that would be lifted up. If you go to Revelation, right at the very end of, of, of the New Testament, right almost at the very end in your Bible, in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 16, it's coming to the end, it's a conclusion, it's the wrapping up time of the vision that Jesus has imparted to, to John, his beloved disciple on the island of Patmos. And remember, we looked at that in seven letters, eight churches just before Christmas. It's coming to the end of it. The scene has been set of the end of days. Visions have passed. The new Jerusalem has come with the Lamb um, of God on the throne and is being celebrated as the vision ends. Almost as a last final qualification of his credential to be Messiah, of his credential to sit upon the throne, to authenticate the vision to, to the apostle John and to remind him and to let him know that this is Jesus. He says this, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root of the offspring of David and the bright morning star. 
immediately before the, 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 the spirit and the bride say, come, this culmination of, of, the, of the church and the Savior coming together, the spirit and the bride saying, come, there is this declaration, I am the root and the offspring of David. The root and the offspring of David, David's dad was Jesse. The root of the stump of Jesse would bear fruit and it would be like a banner for the nation. Jesus is saying, I am the banner, I am the rallying point, I am the Savior, I am God. Can I ask you as we come to an end this morning, what, ba- what banner is raised over you in this life? Is it one of self? Is it a flag of defeat? It's good to have a flag of surrender over your life to make sure you're surrendered to the right one and not the enemy that hates you. Because then our Savior comes that way and a side of ourselves and says, Lord, here you go. What banners over your life? I want to encourage you to raise a banner that has a number of battle honors on it to inspire faith and confidence. That battle honor of Calvary of that place where Jesus, as a banner, was lifted up as the saviour of the world. And that place of revelation's ultimate victory for every single person that puts their trust and faith in Jesus. A banner that would be stained by the blood of Christ. A banner that says he overcomes, he wins. A banner that says all honour and victory is his, but he allows us to share in that. A banner that says he won, past tense. A banner that says he has won, future tense. And a banner that says that we win with him, we overcome with him right here, right now. And yes, there may be an enemy to save your soul. Yes, there may be problems that come. But for every problem, there is a banner Jesus has won. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. What does Jesus want?